Imposter syndrome is a buzz phrase these days, but it's nothing new. The devil's been making people feel like fakes and frauds from the beginning. So how do you beat this age-old fear of being found out? Turns out that the story of Peter contains everything you need to know. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler, author of the book Shut Up Devil and creator of the Shut Up Devil app. I'm all about shutting down the lies and struggles that keep you from thriving in God's design for your life, and I'm here to do it every single week with a live online audience, and I'd love for you to join me live sometime on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central at kylewinkler.org slash live. Okay, I'm going to give you some names of people here that I've got on my little note sheet. Some names that you might recognize. These aren't necessarily Christians. I, I don't know if they are or not. But these are people who, by the world's standards, have arrived in their industry. So first name here, Tom Hanks. Most of you know his name, maybe most famously from the movie Forrest Gump. He's been in at least 84 movies. It's said that he's worth more than 400 million. Despite all his success, do you know what he said? No matter what we've done, there comes a point where you think, how did I get here? When are they going to discover that I am, in fact, a fraud and take everything away from me? Some of you know Barbara Corcoran. She's a real estate mogul made famous as one of the investors in the TV show Shark Tank. In 2001, she sold her real estate business for $66 million. Do you know what she said? Even when I sold my business for $66 million, I felt like an absolute fraud. How about Maya Angelou? Some of you have read her books, maybe her most popular one, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. She's written dozens of books. You know what she said after her 11th one? With each book, I think, uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've been running a game on everybody and they're going to find me out. Well, none of us would question whether Tom Hanks could consider himself an actor, yet he did. Nobody would question whether Barbara Corcoran was a successful businesswoman, yet she did. Nobody would wonder if Maya Angelou was an author, yet she did. What I'm using these people to describe here is something that has been labeled recently as imposter syndrome. It's the feeling that you've come into whatever job, role, position, or success that you have by sheer chance or accident that you aren't qualified for it and therefore are basically waiting for people to figure that out, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Do you ever think a real fill-in-the-blank, a real mom would cook a homemade dinner for their kids every night, would be a real Susie homemaker, or a real man would like to work on cars and watch Sunday night football. Maybe you think a real pastor would have a larger church. I could go on and on with 
for something to be real, you must be or have something more, more education, more money, more social media followers, more, more, more. Maybe you even think a real Christian would read their Bible more, pray more, serve more, sin less, and you wonder if you're even a real Christian. I'm sure I said something there that rang your bell because we all feel less than in one way or another. And that's because we live with ourselves. I mean, you can't get away from you. You can't even go to the bathroom without you. We are very intimately aware of the good, the bad, and the ugly in our lives. And we usually believe in our weaknesses far more than we believe in our strengths. And so we think, someone like me can't have something like this, can't be something like this. It's only a matter of time before I lose it. The danger in this is that when you are focused only on your weaknesses, limits, inabilities, or inadequacies, you will quit before you ever have a chance to disappoint. You'll never feel good enough to assume your role. You'll never feel ready enough to step into your call. And you'll always keep people at a distance because you're afraid of being found out. You will live a life far beneath your spiritual privilege, settling for far less than what God has for you. That's why, to me, this thing called imposter syndrome has the devil's fingerprints all over it. If you're going to thrive in the life that Jesus died to give you, then you must know how to overcome this thing. First, you should know that although imposter syndrome was officially named in the 1970s, it's really a tale as old as time. Most of your favorite Bible heroes didn't feel like they belonged in the places that God put them in. But there's one story in particular that I really want to explore because not only does this person relate to the feeling of being a fraud, but the story also shows God's response to it and offers us the truths we need in order to overcome the imposterous lies that we believe. It's the story of Peter. When he was chosen to follow Jesus. I'll read you the story, then we're going to unpack it and relate it to you. It begins in Luke 5. Jesus had just finished preaching along the shore of Galilee. And or he had, was just actually getting ready to preach along the shore of Galilee. And to preach from, he borrowed a boat from a fisherman named Simon. Simon was later named as Peter. Jesus renamed him later, so you're going to hear kind of Simon and Peter used interchangeably here. We'll pick up the story in verse 4. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. You have to understand, Simon was a professional fisherman, and he had just spent all that time cleaning the nets after a long night of not catching anything. So hearing Jesus say, let it down again, he had to be skeptical. What did this religious leader know that he didn't? Yet he relented. 
He let down his net. And when he did, verse 6 continues, And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. The story goes on to say, When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. His response right there shows us that he understood his weaknesses. He knew the worst about himself. And here's the thing, he wasn't wrong about it. At that time, he was a sinner. It's not wrong to know your weaknesses. It's not wrong to know the not-so-pretty realities about yourself. The problem is, when you think that those things mean that you are counted out from what God has for you, that's the issue. That's what Peter thought. He said, oh Lord, please leave me. I kind of interpret him as saying, Lord, I'm not who you think I am. Please go. Whatever the case, look how Jesus responded in verse 10. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Note that. Jesus didn't agree with Peter's condemnation of himself, nor did he disagree with it. He just didn't mind it and wasn't afraid of it. So with Jesus' encouragement in verse 11, look what happens. The Bible concludes the story. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Here's what I get out of this story as it relates to our lives and this topic. This so-called professional fisherman spent all night fishing and caught nothing. Talk about feeling like a fraud. Then Jesus told him to try one more time, and by no talent of his own, Peter's net was suddenly full. Talk about feeling not worthy of success. That's why he responded, please leave me, I'm such a sinful man. True as that was, Jesus didn't discount him on that basis. But Jesus gave him a promotion. He said, come with me and you'll be fishing for people. And that's what Peter did. So do you want to do as Peter did? Do you want to assume your role? Do you want to follow your role, fulfill your role, even despite feeling like you shouldn't have it or don't deserve it? Well, you have to know first. First thing, you have to know that you are chosen for it. And by that, I mean you didn't get it by luck. You didn't get it by happenstance, not by coincidence, not because someone made a mistake about you. The Bible says that the steps of the godly are ordered by the Lord. If it's a good thing that you are in, then you've been put in it by God for His good purpose. You could go throughout the Bible and look at anyone who was chosen, and there was always a reason for it. When you look at the disciples, they're really all a bunch of unlikely people who, by cultural standards alone, should not have been part of the posse of a religious leader. Matthew was a Jewish tax collector, a traitor. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. Timothy was an outcast because his mother was Jewish and his father was Greek. Each one of these people, though, were chosen not only with their imperfections, but because of them. All to relate important truths about God to the world. 
And Peter was chosen for that too. Obviously, we know that Peter was a fisherman, not by hobby, but by trade, professional, as I said. And back then, fishermen were gruff, rough, unkept, vulgar, talking with hot-tempered men. There's a reason why the two other men that were with Peter that day, James and John, were called the sons of thunder. Jesus knew this about them. And he specifically chose them. He specifically chose Peter because of it. Because despite all the rough edges that came with Peter's personality, he had the temperament and skills necessary to reach the destiny God called him to. And what a destiny it was. Later, when Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, which means rock, by the way, Jesus said, upon this rock, upon you, Peter, I will build my church. And he did. Peter was the one who preached on the day of Pentecost and saw 3,000 people added to the church in a single day. You know, for years, I thought that the source of my insecurities counted me out. But what they caused me to do was create the Shut Up Devil app, which has now been downloaded by more than a quarter of a million people. I used to be embarrassed to talk about parts of my story because I thought that the rejection in my youth meant something was wrong with me. Yet that story is what's given me an audience. In school, my geeky computer programming <laughs> personality and interests got me ridiculed. God later used it all to fit me for this ministry in which people are often impacted behind a screen. At one point, all of those things and many others made me feel like I shouldn't be here in this position talking to you. The devil still makes me feel like that from time to time, but I keep going. I'm still here because I've realized the truth that God didn't accidentally choose me, not knowing my weaknesses, inadequacies, and inabilities, but he chose me with them and in many ways because of them. And I'm telling you, it's the same for you. You look at your rough edges, you look at your weaknesses, and sure, you probably think if people know them, they'll know that I'm a fraud. When the truth is, God knows them. He put you in the place you are with them, and maybe because of them. Now, I know that I can say that, you can hear that, but you still might think, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I have. There's no way these things could have any purpose for me. And I get that. You often don't see purpose in this stuff until you look back in hindsight. Peter didn't. That's why he exclaimed, get away from me. I'm sinful. But Jesus spoke peace to his imperfections. He said, don't be afraid. The only way you keep moving forward is by finding peace in the gospel. Sometimes I like to think of the gospel as the gospel. I don't say that irreverently. I say that because the gospel is the antidote to whatever you deal with. And I'm not talking about it in the way that some people do and that the gospel contains a bunch of principles to apply in hopes that you'll be perfected. No. I'm talking about the real gospel message that says Jesus came to make up for what you aren't and can never be on your own. A lot of you have heard of the armor of God. It's in Ephesians 6. 
in it, Paul lists six qualities that Christians have that they should use to win their spiritual battles. And he likens each to a piece of a Roman soldier's armor. You can read it for yourself. As I said, Ephesians 6 starts basically in verse 14. But the third piece of the armor is called the shoes of peace. Verse 15, Paul says, For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. That word good news there is the word for gospel. Same, same thing. The gospel is the good news. Well, Paul isn't talking about mustering up some sort of feeling of peace and calm. He says that knowing the good news, knowing the gospel, is what puts you at peace. It's what makes you ready to do whatever God calls you to do. And that's because the very message of the gospel is that Jesus died so that your imperfections are no longer counted against you. That's 2 Corinthians 5.19. He died so that the devil can't accuse you. That's Revelations 12.11. He died so that no one can condemn you. That's Romans 8.1. The gospel is that Jesus writes you despite you. That's Romans 3.22-28. through 28. And the gospel is the source of the greatest, most lasting peace ever. Understanding it is what is going to keep you advancing when you don't feel worthy of advancement. Whew. You see, most of us are living our Christian lives upside down. And that's the reason we feel like an imposter. By this, I mean that most of us live believing that it's the attainment of perfection, climbing the ladder of perfection, that in some area gains us qualification. And we therefore never feel good enough. We feel like an imposter because perfection is impossible. Pursuing perfection is like chasing a dangling carrot that you'll never reach. You'll always be frustrated, always feel lacking. Now, the pursuit of excellence and being better at something isn't bad. As long as you do it from the foundation of the gospel, which says that because of Jesus, you are already accepted, loved, and qualified. You are complete in Christ. That's the foundation. Do you understand what I'm saying here? In your Christian life, it's fine to want to be better, be more excellent, more polished, whatever. But that doesn't make you qualified, accepted, or loved. No, it's because of Jesus that you begin your foundation, as I said. You start as someone already qualified, accepted, and loved. You don't earn that. The gospel says Jesus makes up for who you aren't or what you don't have. And that's really the third lesson from Peter's story and the third principle in beating imposter syndrome. It's go in grace. Just after Jesus said, don't be afraid, Peter and the other two gruff and rough fishermen left everything and followed Jesus into the role he promised. They weren't given a 12-step track for promotion. They weren't told to get more education. They weren't told to fix themselves up. They weren't told to get stronger. None of that. All they had to go on is that somehow, some way, Jesus would use who they are to do what they aren't qualified enough to do in and of themselves, and that's called grace. 
and from the moment Peter left the shore, we see him stumbling his way to his destiny, to Pentecost. He misrepresents and misunderstands parables. While trying to walk on water, he loses faith and sinks. He argues with the other disciples about who is best. He falls asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's supposed to be keeping watch as Jesus prays. At Jesus' crucifixion three times, he denies even knowing Jesus. And there are many more examples of Peter's failings. There's so much evidence as to why he isn't worthy in the natural, which I'm sure he was very well aware of. But all that really mattered is that he was worthy to Jesus, simply because Jesus said so. And by God's grace, Peter got right where Jesus said he'd get to be a fisher of men. God places you where you are, and he gets you where you're going. What that looks like for you, from the timing to the experiences to the equipment, will look different than what it looks like for somebody else. So you can't compare yourself to somebody else. If you do, you'll definitely feel like an imposter. Because someone else will always have more of something or different of something than you. But I also guarantee you, you'll have more of something than they do. Besides, what you have in the kingdom, like what you have, doesn't qualify you. Ultimately, it's who you have that qualifies you. And that's Jesus. Of course, this is especially true of your faith. One of the things the devil loves to make Christians believe is that they aren't a real Christian. Felt that one before? He always bases it on something you do or don't do. You don't read your Bible enough. You don't pray long enough. You don't like the things Christians should, or you like some things that Christians shouldn't. A little more than a decade ago, I attended a weekend intensive on street preaching out in California. I went with some co-workers of a ministry that I was a part of at the time. And part of that weekend included going to popular places around LA, such as Hollywood Boulevard and Huntington Beach. And as you might have heard, these aren't exactly points of interest in the Bible Belt. Well, each one of us was supposed to try at least once standing up on a box with a megaphone and just preaching. Just preaching to the air. It's called open air preaching because you don't necessarily have to have an audience. The idea is you preach to the open air and it will attract an audience, hopefully. Well, I had no interest in doing this. And somehow I got out of having to do it. I don't remember. I, maybe I looked busy doing something else when it came close to me needing to get up there. But I got out of doing it. And that relieved me in the moment. But afterwards, I was tormented internally with questions about my salvation. So many people that weekend were just so passionate about all of it. I mean, they were gung-ho. And I wasn't, to say the least. So I started to wonder, what's wrong with me? Shouldn't I want to preach to people? Shouldn't, shouldn't I be passionate about this like everybody else here seems to be? 
am I even a real Christian? I mean, it really messed with me for a little while. And I suspect some of you have questioned that a time or two. Not because of something like street preaching, though maybe. But because you're comparing yourself to Sister Super Christian or Brother Better Than You, who are praying with people every weekend at the altar, who are always talking about the words they get from God, who seem to have the entire Bible memorized, and you're thinking, why am I not passionate about this stuff? Why don't I do that? Why don't I get that? Why don't I hear like that? Am I even a real Christian? First of all, the fact that you even care about that tells me that you're a real Christian. But here's what God told me. He said, Kyle, yes, there are things that people can do better than you, but there are also things that you can do better than them. One gift is not better than another. One gift does not make somebody more of a Christian than another. They are all necessary in the body of Christ. And I encourage you to take that word for yourself. The Apostle Paul said that God gives different gifts to different people to do different things. You're not going to be interested or gifted in all the same things. Like I said, one interest, one passion, one gift does not make somebody more of a Christian than another. The theme all throughout the New Testament is that belief in the death and resurrection of Jesus is what makes somebody a real Christian. And that's really a separate teaching. Check out my Shut Up Devil book where I take down the lie that you aren't a real Christian. But in short, if you have faith that Jesus is God's Son, that He died for your sins and resurrected from the dead, then you are a real Christian. That's the gospel. Anyway, when it comes to belonging where God has you, it doesn't matter how accomplished or prepared you are. Remember the celebrities that I shared at the beginning. They are some of the most accomplished in their industries, yet they still felt lacking. There will always be things you don't have. Talents, abilities, education, money, opportunities. That's part of being human. If you focus on everything you aren't, you'll quit. You'll settle. You'll hold yourself back. Now, you'll probably always be aware of your inabilities. Even to this day, sometimes they are the first things that pop into my mind when I wake in the morning. And I'm serious. I mean, sometimes I wake and they are right there and I'm thinking, what am I doing? So yes, they will come to mind at times. Just don't keep them on your mind. You can't control the things that pop in here always, but you don't have to keep them in there. Interrupt those thoughts. I do it by just as soon as I can redirecting my mind to who God is, fixate on the fact that God can't be outmuscled, outspent, outsmarted. His love never fails. His mercy never stops. I mean, that's the character and qualities of the one that's going to make this happen for you. 
So dream big, fear not, move forward and rest assured. The Almighty has you where you're supposed to be, and in that place, He has your hand, your heart, and your back. You are not a fake, fraud, or an imposter. You belong in whatever good place God has placed you. So go in grace. Okay, if you are battling negative thoughts that have you intimidated with fear about yourself or some situation you're facing or about to face, then I have created a tool to help you overcome intimidation. It's my Think on These Things 30-Day Scripture Journal. This journal is designed strategically to work with God's design of your mind. It begins with a chapter all about that. But the bulk of the journal includes 30 days of scriptures with journaling prompts that literally work to reprogram your mind to be more confident and courageous. And I'm talking about in as little as a few minutes per day. You get these truths into you and you won't be influenced by this imposter syndrome thing anymore. Order your copy of Think on These Things now at kylewinkler.org journal and we'll get it shipped right out to you. That's kylewinkler.org journal. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and He is for you and we're here for you too every week on my website at kylewinkler.org on our podcast and wherever you get your social media. Don't forget wherever you're watching or listening to tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. See you next time.